Hello and welcome into Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. I'm Chris Yell. He's Mo Patton, and this is the Wild and Wacky Wednesday edition of the show. We are slowly climbing the top of the hill to get to the other side of the week. Because it's hump hump day. That's right. It is hump day. We love hump day around here. It's our favorite day of the week. We've got a good show, too. And for the next... I don't know. You know what? We may have to make we may have to make some editorial decisions on Heather Williams. What we're going to talk about? Well, based on the the future of this show, and I just thought of this, but no, we'll be okay. So we'll be okay either way, won't we? I I don't know. I think so. We'll, we'll figure it out, but right mm-hmm. now, well, Heather's going to join us on Wednesday for now, along with Joe Sullivan. So every Wednesday, expect to see Heather, expect to see Joe. And let me warn you, I checked in with Joe earlier today to make sure that he was good, and he wanted to talk to some Indiana State during his segment in the second hour, and I'm like, hey, be my guest, but... If he finds some goggles between now and 3.20, he may be sporting them. He may be channeling Robbie Avila when he comes on with us. So just well, be in, warned. Well, Indiana State's coach did during his press conference. Wore Robbie's goggles <laughs> the other day. So I guess <laughs> it's a thing. If you can find them, wear them. It's like if you, go to, if you got them, smoke them. Smoke them if you got them. That's <laughs> so, it. Yes, yes. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, it's it's always fun to talk to Joe. We'll talk to him about basketball. We've got Heather on NASCAR. We've got Terry who will talk to us a little bit about uh, apparently the Titans struggling to put together a staff. I don't know if that's the case, but some people are asking. And so we'll ask Terry if he's... I mean, are you really struggling? You hired a guy a week ago? That's the question. I'm just saying... Is that a struggle? Does that that end are they deducing from the timeline that it's a struggle because he doesn't have a staff, what, eight days after he was named? I, I don't know. I'm just saying what some people on the interwebs are asking. People are saying, huh? And so <laughs> we have the ability to ask someone with a little closer knowledge than maybe they do so we can get them the answers they need. They need. So that's what we're going to, we'll, we'll get to, we'll, we'll see if it's a struggle. It may not be a struggle. I don't know that it may it not is, be a struggle, but yeah, sort of like it may not be an investigation, right? It may, may not be an investigation. If or, or if it was an investigation, it may not be one now. And we're going to talk about that too. And plenty, <laughs> plenty more, man, what a great day this is going to be. This is going to be a lot of fun. I I'm pumped about this show again, 20 pounds of potatoes, 10 pounds sacks. So Good luck to us. Congratulations Keep. to you guys because you're going to get a jam-packed full show of great sports news and opinions and thoughts, et cetera, et cetera, coming your way. So all of that is going to happen. But before we do that, of course, we need to tell you about what happened last night. 
in and around the world of sports and what is coming up today on The Rundown. This is The Rundown. Tuesday night, girls high school basketball results. Kane Ridge with a 45-40 win over Antioch Beach defeated Gallatin 73-22. Blackman with a 64-24 win over Riverdale. Brentwood down Centennial 60-24. Cheatham County 62, Liberty Creek 41. It was Davidson Academy 58, Clarksville Academy 54. Springfield with a 73-37 win over Clarksville Northeast. Columbia Central continues to struggle in District 9-4A play with a 74-33 loss to Coffee County. Community 58, Harpeth 54, Clarksville 65, Dixon County 24, Sycamore with a 56-39 win over Fairview. Franklin defeated Nolansville with a little bit of an upset, 63-58 there. Franklin Classical 42, Zion Christian 33, Lawrence County with an 82-44 win over Franklin. Friendship Christian defeated E.L. Harding 51-42. It was Marshall County 54, Giles County 42 with a little post-game power work. <laughs> and not between the two teams. Hume Fogg 50, Glencliff 14, Good Pasture 37, Donaldson Christian 25, Middle Tennessee Christian 60, Grace Christian of Franklin 51, Green Hill with a 59-46 win over North Wilson County rival Mount Juliet. Cornerville 60, Hampshire 23, Henry County 43, West Creek 12, Hillsboro defeated Overton 51-35, Houston County Edge, McEwen 47-45, Page with a 44-30 win over Independence. It was Merrill Hyde 62, Knowledge Academies 5, Cookville with a 70-21 win over Laverne, Lewis County defeated Mount Pleasant 57-45, coverage at MainStreetMurray.com. Lincoln County 71, Spring Hill 32, Macon County 51, Station Camp 42, and Oakland 74, Seagull 14. Also in girls' action, Pearl Calm down Lead Academy 51-14. It was Eagleville 48, Portland 33, Ravenwood down Summit 60-47. Richland was a 54-16 winner over Santa Fe. Rossview 68, Kirkwood 32, Lebanon 62, Smyrna 32. Harpeth Hall, 74-24 winners over St. Cecilia Academy. Stewart's Creek, 63-51 win over Wilson Central. Summertown with a dominant performance over Loretto, 51-30. That's wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> coverage. Didn't see that coming, did you? Coverage is coming at Main Street Preps at some point. I don't know if it's up or not yet. Uh, Tullahoma, 57, Murfreesboro Central, 34. Westmoreland, 37, 16. Winners over Wildhouse Heritage and White House, 43. Greenbrier, 39. On the boys' side, Beach, 52. Gallatin, 36. Riverdale, 51, 42. Winners over Blackman. Centennial edges Brentwood, 55, 51. And Ooh. a good one there. Liberty Creek, 40, 36. Winners over Cheatham County. Davidson Academy falls to Clarksville Academy, 95, 66. Clarksville Northeast, a 60 to 49 winner over Springfield. Coffee County downs Columbia Central, 58-44, while Community beats Harpeth, 62-53. It was Brentwood Academy, 94-58, winners over CPA. Dixon County edges Clarksville, 57-55, and East Robertson was a 56-53 winner over Todd County Central, Kentucky. Innsworth over Lipscomb Academy, 61-45. Of course, that was one day after Lipscomb Academy's went over Pope Prep, so they might have been a little tired at some point. 
Uh, 56-35, the score for Fairview over Sycamore. Pope Prep bounced back with a 71-67 win over Father Ryan. Nolansville down Franklin and a wow, upsets on both sides. 51-38 over the Admirals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zion Christian, 57. Franklin Classical, 44. Lawrence County, 52-41 winners over Franklin County. Webb School was a 79-48 winner over Franklin Road Academy. Friendship Christian, 60. Ezo Harding, 59. Marshall County, 60-57 winners over Giles County. Hume Fogg, a 72-49 win over Glencliff. Good Pasture Downs, DCA, 76-57. Grace Franklin, 52. Middle Tennessee Christian, 40. Green Hill, 43, Mount Juliet, 28. Don't call them crosstown rivals, though they are. I'm not sure you can get to one from the other. Quartersville <laughs> Downs, Downs, Hampshire, 69-43. West Creek edges Henry County, 46-44. Hillsboro, 60. John Overton, 35. Houston County, 61-42 over McEwen. Page falls to Independence, 72-50. Independence, 15 threes. They were due. They've been cold lately. Well, they, they, were, not to, they cold were not cold last Paige, night. Much to the dismay of the Patriots. Exactly. <laughs> Clarksville Northwest down to Kenwood, 50 to 29. Laverne falls to Cookville, 44 28. Mount Pleasant, 78. Lewis County, 63. Spring Hill down uh, at L Lincoln County falls, 67 34. With Station Camp, 47 44. Winners over Macon County. Martin Luther King, 58. Valor Collegiate, 51. Creekwood, 50, 64. Montgomery State 44 and Mount Juliet a 57-52 winner over Nashville Creek. Also, <laughs> bit off more than you could chew there, huh? Um, also, Siegel with a 67-59 win over Oakland. Pearl Cone defeated Lead Academy 55-52. Portland with a 58-56 win over Eagle. Well, speaking of getting from here to there, mm -hmm. Ravenwood in overtime. Edge Summit, 61-60. East Nashville with a 93-31 win over Republic. Richland knocks off top-ranked Santa Fe, 53-41. Alden Slaughter slowed by that ankle still, held to 14 points in that loss for the Wildcats, who fall to 18-2 uh, with that loss. Um, Rossview, 68. Kirkwood, 51. Lebanon with a 64-34 win over Smyrna. Wilson Central defeat at Stewart's Creek, 69-65. Loretta with a 66-64 win over Summertown. Murfreesboro Central, 69. Tullahoma, 62. Providence Christian, 61. University School of Nashville, 42. White House Heritage with a 57-42 win over Westmoreland. And White House, 61. Greenbrier, 59. In men's basketball action, Boo Hiss. South Carolina, 63. Tennessee, 59. Despite 31 points from Dalton Connect. I didn't lose. Y'all lost. Um, she hit them free throws, though. Oh, really? I didn't get <laughs> No, it, every, he missed four free throws. He was six of 10 from the line, but on it, one of them was late that would have allowed, you know, anyway. Mm -hmm. And people online were like, he should have made his free throws. He scored, he scored 31 points. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Man Oops. scored 31 points, and you're going to hold him accountable for four free throws. Stop it. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> that was great. You want me to go ahead and do these? Yeah, go ahead, here? because I'm looking for something here real quick. Go ahead. All right. High school basketball doubleheaders tonight. Clarksville's at Northeast at 6. This is girl, girls' first boys to follow summits at Franklin. Hendersonville hosts Mount Juliet. Ravenwood goes to Independence, where you will be. 
Correct. Centennial is at Nolensville. Page welcomes Brentwood and Springfield's at Rossview. Girls only, Father Ryan at St. Cecilia. Boys only, Mount Juliet Christian at Friendship Christian at 6.30. And Martin Luther King at Maplewood at 7.30. College basketball doubleheaders. UT Southern is at Life at 4.30 and 6.30. Men's basketball, Jacksonville University hosting... Austin P. that is in Florida, by the way. It's 7 o'clock tip. Lipscomb is at North Florida. That's at 7. Belmont's at home tonight against Indiana State at 7.30. Vanderbilt is at Auburn. That's a 9 o'clock tip. I'm assuming that's Good. on SEC Network. I hope so. Why, why else would tip. you be going at 9? Yeah, and then... 9 Central. The 10 King, Eastern. Right. The Kings are at the Predators tonight at Bridgestone at 7.30 on Valley Sports South, and that is your rundown. Chris, before we get into the top story, which is brought to you every day by Piggly Wiggly at Neely's Mill in Columbia, I was looking to see if Independence's 15 three-pointers or where it ranked in state. Among all time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Oh, not even close, huh? Not even close. Um, Sequoia hit 18 in a game in January of 2020. Sequoia also hit 19 in a game and 20 in a game. Franklin has twice hit 20. Once again, Summit. But the state record for most three-pointers in a game is 31. Jeez. My gosh. White County hit 31 threes in a game against Ray County back in February of 2016. 31. So uh, Independence hit half that. Not even, which is even crazier. Can you imagine watching a game with 31 threes? I mean, I know how many many points that is on its own. Mm -hmm. So did they hit anything inside the three-point line? Did Did they they hit any any free throws? I don't know if if you hit. Does it start, tell you what the final score those? It does are? not, unfortunately. Just another but thing. I, Alabama I'm, does better. I'm gonna. <laughs> don't get me started <laughs> on, the, on the record books. It's bad. It's. We play. Okay, let. It's completely off subject, but we play games every year. For the building fund. <laughs> All right, Steve Harvey. Ain't put a doorknob <laughs> on the building yet, okay? And <laughs> and you would think mm. that this could be a part of like you could you could have somebody, somebody who can compile at least basic information. You would think. Anyway, anyway, yes. Our top story is brought to you by Piggly Wiggly, <laughs> Neely's Mill Shopping Center in Columbia. I better be careful. I'm going to see these guys next week. And they're going to see you. And they're going to right? see me, so I better yeah. be careful. But go by and see our friends at Piggly Wiggly. They've got delicious daily, 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 daily lunch specials. I keep thinking I say it wrong when I say it right. Delicious because daily, it's so daily. Anyway, go by and see them. It's, it's great fresh hand cut meats, great produce, all cost plus 10 at the register. Well, our top story today comes to us from the heartland. Lawrence, Kansas. Not Lawrenceburg. No, no, no. Tennessee. 
which is where I will see those folks next week. By the way, but Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, where um, where no college football teams apparently will be visiting. <laughs> and all the teams went shucks. Yeah, we don't we don't get to go to Kansas. <clears throat> um, you know, some local college football fans will be particularly interested in this story, actually. Kansas will spend next college football season playing on the road. At least the Jayhawks home games will only be a bit down the road. With their old stadium being raised and a new stadium anchoring a massive development project expected to open for the 2025 season, the Jayhawks had to find an alternate location for their home games. They decided to split them with non-conference games being played at Children's Mercy Park, the home of MLS Club Sporting Kansas City, and its four Big 12 conference games being played across the state line at, Harrow, at Arrowhead Stadium in KC Mo. Both stadiums are less than an hour drive from the Kansas campus in Lawrence. So the Jayhawks will play Lindenwood and UNLV at the soccer stadium in KCK. But the much smaller capacity of that stadium of about 18.5 means that the school will not sell individual tickets for those games. They will only be part of season ticket packages. So what if they don't sell 18.5 season tickets? I mean, I'm assuming they're thinking they're gonna. And oh, by the way, they're very optimistic in Kansas. I mean, Kansas had a great year this past year. Yeah, for, well, for Kansas. And, and and you know, students be damned. I guess so don't come. No room in the end. Man, that's tough. Their Big Twelve game scheduled for Arrowhead will be Texas Christian, Houston, Iowa State, and Colorado. I'm confident our fans will be able to create a home field that our players will be energized to play in, Kansas coach Lance Leopold said. After leading the Jayhawks, oh, who led the Jayhawks to a 9-4 and record with a victory over UNLV in the guaranteed rate bowl this past season. So UNLV did not win a bowl game. My bad. They lost a bowl game to the Jayhawks. Remix. Yeah, I was going to say, you get that, get that one back. It's interesting, though, because, you know, as you said, local college football fans would be interested in this because Kansas is deciding not to play in construction. Mm -hmm. Well, and Whereas, I guess, but this isn't construction. They aren't renovating. They aren't building onto a standing structure. They said this was raised. Yeah. So there's no place to play. I mean, folks talk about, we'll go play on the asphalt. Well, there's none. Yeah. There, there's none of that either. Yeah. So, so that doesn't help you, but you know, luckily for them, they do have you know, facilities somewhat nearby and they'll get a chance to play home games and not have to travel every time. But obviously, you know, getting to play an arrowhead is not a, it's not nothing as consolation prizes go. Yeah. And for them to have been able to work that schedule, and that might have been why the Big 12 schedule didn't come out until, what, yesterday, day before? They because may have they been working had to, around the NFL. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I'm, I'm sure that ideally you wouldn't have the Jayhawks and the Chiefs 
in Arrowhead in, in the same weekend. Yeah. Maybe a Thursday night, Saturday turnaround. But, I mean, we've seen that with the Music City Bowl. Mm -hmm. It can be done, but it's not perfect. Yeah. And it's not easy. But that would be about the only way. You're not going to see a Saturday-Sunday no. affair. So. Not intentionally. So, yeah. We'll take a break when we come back. Speaking of, of easy on the KU smack, here we go. <laughs> We're not talking smack about No, no, not them. KU, no. <laughs> the others. It's more like VU, not KU. Uh, we'll talk to Heather Williams about NASCAR and probably more. Mm -hmm. After this, stick around. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50-plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there, and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731, and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service, and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Because that's the key. Welcome back. Main Street Sports Today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Mo Pat and Chris Yao here on this hump day. So glad to be with you as we are quickly approaching the start of the NASCAR season. And that, of course, means that WCYB TV's Heather Williams joins us. And that will not be the first or that will not be the last WCYB TV reference In this of show. the day. That's all I'm saying. 
Heather, nice shirt. That got Heather's attention. Yeah, uh, you may know the story that we're going to talk about later in Wild and Wacky. It's, it's in Wild and Wacky, so a, you can probably figure it out. But uh, there was a Wild and Wacky story from your area. This from, your, from your neck of the woods. Maybe I missed it. What's wild and wacky? The, the the backwoods where they may or may not be making certain liquids. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can tell. Illegally. <laughs> that, was, that was a pretty nice operation they had going on. It was like all shiny and, and it was beautiful. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of sad that that got shut down. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are too. Years ago in my life. <laughs> oh, so Heather. Heather, let's, let's talk. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. I don't think we can go too far without addressing the bling. I said I nice shirt. You did. You did. Yes. Um, well, okay. this is last year's Super Bowl. Oh, that's last year's Super Bowl. It is. And actually, I didn't end up wearing this one on Super Bowl Sunday because I found one I liked better after I bought this one. Well, this one makes more sense, though. Vegas, lights. Yeah, it is kind of. It's, it's Vegasy. It's yeah. very Vegasy, actually, now that you mention it. Yeah. All right, um, I'm going to step out because y'all are getting ready to talk NASCAR. So well, I'm, I'm just going to excuse myself. Okay, <laughs> you football if you want. If you were talking about it while I was in the waiting room. <laughs> nah, we'll wait. We'll we'll get that later. Um, so let's let's start with NASCAR full speed, and. I didn't get to watch a lot of it. I did see more clips than I did see. Of, I, I saw a little, uh, the, most of the first two episodes. But the one thing that I came up with is I feel like maybe, maybe people might have at least a slight, slightly improved view of Denny Hamlin after this. He came across really interesting, funny, and <laughs> not the person that we've seen on camera during NASCAR events. I mean, if you be my people to you, then absolutely. Because that's the Denny Hamlin I've always seen. Um, sure, but but the general public doesn't see as much well, of Denny Hamlin as you do. Fair. I think that's fair. I think you started to to at least see or understand a little bit of that in his podcast that he did last year. Yeah. Um, snippets of that personality that you saw in there. But, I mean, look, Denny wasn't really interested in being a black cat, but he was cast as that. And he is a smart enough man to realize, much like Kyle Busch did, that better to be a black cat and everybody talking about you than be a white hat that is completely non-existent in the mix and, yeah, just mixed among everybody yeah right so um you know he's so smart i don't think Denny gets enough credit for how smart he is as a business person as as an entrepreneur and as building his brand and um and he's also really funny with those two girls i mean um you got my kids think i should win more huh what's that my kids think i should win more he said yes oh gosh so <laughs> Um, but just some of the little interactions that you, you've seen in clips of other shows or that you see at the track between them. Um, first of all, the old, the oldest girl whose name has escaped me, Taylor, um, is a budding like actress and she's hysterical. I mean, I really hope I watched about two episodes too. I really hope she makes more, um, appearances because some of her little quips are, are very funny. Um, 
uh, the, the younger one's a little shyer. Uh, she's younger. But um, but I just think, yeah, I mean, I think this has the possibility from what I've heard from other people, because like I said, I mean, I guess I'm more connected. So I've, I've, I've interacted with this. But from what I've heard from most people after the first couple of episodes, the breakout stars are Denny Hamlin and then Bubba's crew chief, Booty Barker. Um, the, the, kind of the, the breakout stars from this from this so far. In fact, people were talking about Booty as possibly getting his own spinoff. Wow. That's how to really be interested in him and kind of his unfiltered. Um, and he, he is unfiltered. There's some language <laughs> coming from him at times. Um, but it's very entertaining. And, and it just feels like this is something NASCAR needed. It is. And NASCAR's attempted it, but I just don't, I think when it comes down to it, nobody does this as, as well as Netflix does because they did the USA thing last year and it was good ish. Um, but it really didn't hit the same notes that non hardcore NASCAR fans need to have in order to be hooked in. Um, it was way too much technical. What was going on at the track? This has very little at the track, really. I mean, it has enough, that you know what's going on and the moments of, of the reactions of the drivers when Ryan Priest goes flying at Daytona, I mean, that's, and the, and the girlfriends and such, I mean, that's breathtaking. I mean, just, it makes you realize how dangerous the sport is. But um, I mean, I just think they had to get this done with Netflix because nobody does the genre as well as they do. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. Um, I'm disappointed I haven't shown up yet. I've been at like half of these things that they've done so far. <laughs> <laughs> no, no screen time of, for Heather, huh? Nine, none of the two and a half episodes that I've made it through have I seen myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm disappointed. Well, uh, hopefully, hopefully we'll. So I was watching Moonshiners, uh, as I've said on this. I just started the Moonshiners series, and, and I was watching it one day, and I saw a guy who is the master distiller at Sugarland Shine show up and I'm just sitting there watching it and I'm like, Hey, I know that guy. <laughs> and, and I was so, you know, I'll, I always love to see that kind of stuff. I got, I, yeah, I got to, uh, to uh, go back and watch race the Bubba Wallace uh, stop that, uh, that uh, Netflix did like two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. I make a brief appearance in that. I also I probably saw it two or three years ago and didn't know you. Yeah, you didn't know me then. When I, when I saw it, and so I may have to go back and, and check for the Heather cameo. I also make a brief appearance in the uh, race for the championship that uh, USA did. I did not watch that. I'll put it no, uh, just very simply. I mean, it's not as good as a Netflix doc. It's, it's all right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Personally, I hate seeing myself on TV, so I'm I'll, I've good. seen Mo. I saw Mo while uh, I guess the ten at the Tennessee main, uh, Middle Tennessee game. I was like, "Hey, I know that guy." <laughs> so there you go. Before I can get sat down, good, my phone is blowing up. You're on TV. I'm like, I, I just got here. Well, I when saw you're, you. When you're at Bristol Race Intro, somehow I ended up where I was shooting intros, where I was right in the Fox TV camera, and my phones are blowing up. We're like, "We see you on TV." We see. And I was like, "Oh, time to move." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, figure that out. Yeah, figure out how to get out of that way. Exactly. Oh, Heather uh, Heather Williams of WCYB TV joining us here on Main Street Sports today, as she does on Wednesdays during stock car racing season, talking a little NASCAR. And 
it is stock car racing season. Mm -hmm. The clash at the Coliseum Sunday night. Yeah, cars on the track Saturday afternoon for the for the heat races. It's the it's the shortest season in all of off season in all of sports, really. And next year it's going to be even shorter because of the two week break they got to take in the middle for the Olympics. But I've talked to probably I don't know a half a dozen drivers at this point now, and they're all ready. They're all very ready to get back to the track because every single person other than Ryan Blaney has something to prove. So they're ready to get after it. Ryan might want to enjoy the offseason a little bit more because, you know, he had a pretty good season as the champ. You might want to bask in that a little bit more. But everybody else is, is, is and Ryan's probably ready to go. I'm probably oversimplifying that a little bit. But um, there's been so much change in the in the offseason, um, whether it's the, you know, Toyotas and, and Fords getting new cars all the new teams, alliances, teams growing, smaller teams especially really making changes and making pushes to be more of a player. When you look at Spire and Rick Ware Racing and, and uh, Front Row Motorsports, these are teams that nobody would even think about in the offseason, but all three of those teams have made huge changes in the last season or no changes in the, in the, in the sense of Front Row that but have positioned themselves to be players this year. I think that Spire and Front Row specifically expect to have cars in the playoffs this year. Um, so it's exciting no matter who you like because the next-gen car um, has really changed the way that teams look at this season. Yeah, it's uh, you're, you're right that this season is going to be interesting because it's almost like some folks are starting over and you don't know exactly what that's going to look like. So I, I think you're exactly right now. Speaking of not knowing what things are going to look like, there is a new format for the clash. And I'd love for you to explain it to us, Heather, but you know, as, as friend of the show, Ryan McGee said on Twitter, it may be one of those all-star race type events where you just explain it to me when we get there. Yeah, I mean, the easiest, like as we're going, the easiest way to do is just explain, just 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 follow along. I mean, I wouldn't get too caught up in this. I mean, it's short. It's kind of a short track, uh, you know, a short track type format where right. you're going to have the, the 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 heat races and you're going to be able to lock your way into the into the finals via the heat race, the main event during the heat race, and then if you don't lock in from the heat race, then you go into that last chance qualifier and then two people from that qualifier will also move on to the finals. But basically you just want to finish in the top five in your heat race and then you're in, or if you don't, then you got to finish the top two in your, in your last chance qualifier. And there will be 23 cars in that February 4th race, 150 laps. And of course, it's it is an absolute event taking place. Machine Gun Kelly will be the musical entertainment, which is something. Starting <laughs> uh, <laughs> with that LA audience, it's not. I for love us. it. It's not for <laughs> us. That's what I tell people. No. They complain. People from the south they complain about Machine Gun Kelly 
It's not, it's not for us. You're not the target. I, listen, I said that on Twitter. I said, you're not the target audience, folks. I mean, when they you're come to Nashville, the they're going to have the appropriate country music artists. And, you know, uh-oh, my computer might die because it just said it's about to die. If it does, I'll jump in on my phone real quick. But it's not for you. It's just it's not for you. Yeah, it's pretty funny, though. I just uh, and, and, you know, I, when Ice Cube did it, was he the first year Ice Cube? Yes, Ice Cube was the first year. That was awesome. I, I mean, but, you know, anybody who's grew up in my era, <laughs> you know, loves Friday and, and everything that Ice Cube did. So, and you Pitbull. know. Actually, I think, I think Pitbull was the first year. I think last year was Ice Cube. It might have been. But, yeah, and then, of course, Pitbull's, speaking of Ross Chastain and, and those oh. folks, I think we did. There she went. Yeah, there she went. But at know, least she warned us. Ross, Ross did a uh, he threw a little shade at Denny in in the full speed show, and I thought that was hilarious. I'm back. I, I always anybody who can throw some shade, you know, is always fun. But anytime a track house or uh, uh, a track house driver does it, we're all in. We're, we're <laughs> exactly we're, so, we're we're team track house. We are team track yeah. house. Absolutely. So Ross has some good cameos in, in the. Uh, oh, in, that's what I'm talking about. He threw a little shade at Denny in, in episode two, and I was for it. I mean, given the history. Exactly. <laughs> it makes sense. Um, but I mean, everybody. I mean, I don't know. Everybody throws a little shade. Denny throws throws plenty of shade. Sure. I, I, I love it because I think, you know, a lot of people talked about going back to what you were saying about Denny. A lot of people talked about when they didn't really like Joey Logano until Joey started doing his Sirius XM NASCAR hits. And then they got to see a different side of him. So, I mean, I think you're getting to see, you know, the real personalities of these drivers. I'm, 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 I'm excited to finish it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I tried so hard last yeah. night and I made <sighs> Somewhere in the middle of episode three before my eyes finally said, no, we're done here today. So we'll, we'll see if we can dock it out the rest of it tonight. It, it'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Netflix ain't going anywhere. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else NASCAR wise that we need to get to. If there is, let me know. No, I mean, relatively quiet week. And we're, get, we're getting ready to get down to business now. I mean, there's not going to be be a, probably a handful of driver announcements and, and things to kind of round out the Daytona field here in the next couple of weeks, but should be fairly knock on wood uneventful <laughs> until we get to Daytona. Yeah. And, and the clash isn't really a who won, who lost type event, is it? I mean, it, it just kind of strikes you as more of an exhibition. Well, it is an exhibition, and it's just meant to get hype up for uh, Daytona. It's a way to get people talking about the sport before we start with our biggest race of the year right out of the gate. Um, you know, teams put a lot of emphasis in it. Every team at the Charter is required to go. Some big people have missed out. Uh, a couple years ago, Brad Kozlowski did not make the race. Um, you know, so just because – and last year, Justin Haley was on the pole. So it, it, it p plays no favorites. It's a race that, you know – could have some drama for sure. No doubt. Speaking of drama, have you have you been following much about the Formula One and the Andretti's deal? Just very much on the fringes. I just I just came across a, a story that said that they Formula One has rejected their bid 
for the next two seasons, but would look differently on an application for 2028. Don't know why you would wait to, if you're going to, anyway, it, it just, it, it's just another, it's just another reason that formula one isn't even a real sport. No, it's for, yeah, it's wine. Mm. I mean, it's formula one. I, 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 I realized that drive to survive was very well done. And I think that the, the show is actually far more compelling than the actual racing. And I think that's a problem. I would agree with that. <laughs> I mean, it's a problem. If you've got one guy winning two thirds of your races, is that racing or is that follow the leader? <laughs> Eventually it's just going to be monster trucks. It's the same. It's the same thing. Where <laughs> I, mean, you, you it's just... fine. I mean, nobody can look most people <coughs> events for the racing anyway it's it's a place to be seen it's a status symbol the tickets are like obnoxiously expensive if you can afford to go and spend a week in dubai watching them race or japan or where all the ridiculous you know locations that they go to outside of the united states you've got money and you're there to be seen so i mean but you know who you can't see you can't see lightning mcqueen you can't but you can at the Clash at the Coliseum. He's been there before. I know. I'm just Look, saying. Before event, I, I had no idea Lightning McQueen was a Ford, but apparently he was because I went to one a couple of weeks ago, and he was in the parking lot. See? Lightning McQueen. It's way better. <laughs> <laughs> Heather? This coming from the guy who's got two under the age of three. So. And, one, and, and, and Charlie and, is a Cars fan. I have no children, and I've seen every Cars uh, movie, and I love them all. They're all good. We love them. I, I've watched I've watched Cars one and two twice this week. This week, the this week. Though. I think two's the weakest of all of them. Uh, Are you like getting ready for NASCAR by watching Cars? No, is I'm, that what I'm it is? Just it's just what she wants to watch. If it's either uh, it's Paw Patrol or Cars, and that's it. Fun fact about that movie: the Raceway of the South. That's like the opening scene. Mm -hmm. Is Bristol? It's Bristol. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty clear if you know if you've ever seen Bristol. Wow, what it is, but yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome. <laughs> Heather, enjoy Sunday. I'm gonna will Sunday probably more. Yeah, well, you will enjoy next Sunday probably more, but enjoy this Sunday and. We'll, we'll be talking to we'll, you between now we'll and that Sunday. Yeah, we'll get so, to you again. And, and, then. and we'll be awaiting with bated breath to see what you regale us with <laughs> next Sunday. Uh, next Wednesday, excuse me. So. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I actually was going to change, but after you texted me, Mo, I decided to, to, stay, to stay geared Check up. For this. Geared up. There we go. You're good. You're good. Heather Williams of WCYB in the Tri-Cities joining us as she does on Wednesdays during NASCAR season. Heather, we appreciate it. We'll see you next week. All right. Talk to you guys later. Thanks. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, well, we were talking to someone from Bristol there <laughs> where, where the state line of Tennessee and Virginia meet. There we go. We will talk about both of those states on the other side of this break. So stick around. We'll be right back after this. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. 
Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you, no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Piggly Wiggly, located in Neely's Mill Shopping Center, is Columbia's locally owned and operated Cost Plus 10 grocery store dedicated to serving the community with low prices and smiling faces. Piggly Wiggly offers fresh, hand-cut meats daily as well as daily hot plate lunches from their deli counter. You're certain to see smiling faces and a helping hand when you're here at Piggly Wiggly. Come by and check out our fresh produce, high-quality meats, and more. Down home, down the street, we'll see you at the Pig. Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Hey, we're back in it's Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao, Mo Patton here on this hump day. We are so close to the top of the mountain, Mo. I think I can. I think I can. <laughs> That's exactly how it feels. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot going on with the NCAA investigation into Tennessee. A lot of stuff came out post-show yesterday, including a statement from Tom Mars, who is an attorney with the Spire Group, which leads the Tennessee Collective. And I think I think that is a massive point to this situation. And today, both the attorneys general of the state of Tennessee and of the state of Virginia, which is no stranger to lawsuits with the NCAA this year. He's only filed three so far. 
Dude's like, I like this. He's like, I, I, I already give got give me him, more. I've already yeah. got him on file. Mm-hmm. Like, just <laughs> I don't know who to file it with. Yeah, dial, uh, yeah. dial it up. We Send it to you. me. We got and you. And they have both filed suit against the NCAA. I'm not sure exactly what standing a legislative body might have on the NCAA, a private nonprofit organization. <laughs> But I'm also not sure what standing the NCAA, a private nonprofit organization, has over Spire Collective, a private nonprofit organization. The suit alleges that the NCAA has violated antitrust laws by denying athletes their ability to earn full compensation for their names, images, and likenesses. And the plaintiffs may, in a matter of days, seek a temporary injunction that could suspend the NCAA's NIL rules and limitations. This is from an article by Dennis Dodd on CBSSports.com. Well, as you well know, Mo, the NCAA is right now in the thick of an antitrust argument with Congress. They're in litigation hell right now. They really are. Why on earth would you even consider even thinking about bringing this up right now when you are arguing to Congress that you are exempt from antitrust laws (laughs) while literally breaking antitrust laws against your member institutions at the same exact time. Should the NCAA push back, the parties would likely go to trial. It could ultimately take years to litigate the case. However, the association certainly hopes to avoid another federal lawsuit challenging its ability to govern, given the caseload it is already managing, to your point. Mo, what was it Master P said? Or was it Mr. Big? Get you 12 white folks and take that to trial? That's what we're fixing to do. We're going to, get, we're going, we're going to trial. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't know that it's going to get to trial for the very reasons that Dennis Dodd just pointed out. And that you just pointed out. They don't want another case on top of everything else. Well, it's not just that it's another case. It's a literal case that completely contradicts the case you're making to Congress, Mm -hmm. who gives you the right to do everything you do. So are you lying then or are you lying now? This is twice we've asked the NCAA that question in two days. Must be a pretty good question. It, It clearly is. This this paragraph, you're going to love this, from the lawsuit. But the NCAA is thumbing its nose at the law. After allowing NIL licensing to emerge nationwide, the NCAA is trying to stop that market from functioning. This month, it announced new proposals related to student-athlete protections in NIL. These, quote, protections allow current athletes to pursue NIL compensation but bans prospective athletes 
including current college athletes looking to transfer to another school who are in the transfer portal. So anybody in the portal can't, can't take NIL offers, which I don't necessarily disagree with the NCAA taking that approach because it does. I, I'm fine with the NCAA taking that approach going forward. They should have done it five years ago, but they didn't. And then California themselves a lot of trouble. And California that. put a law on the books that mm -hmm. high school students could sign NIL deals. And now Tennessee has one. North Carolina's private schools are allowing it. Alabama is allowing it. Everyone's allowing high school athletes to incur NIL deals. And so therefore, going back and, and trying to retroactively enforce rules that you created now while state legislative bodies have deemed legal that's not going to work in this because that is the literal definition of antitrust mm -hmm. it's like a coach looking for a new job and freely talking to many different schools but being unable to negotiate salary until he's picked one That's a hell of an argument. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, again, the athletic has a story on why the NCAA wants to make an example of Tennessee, essentially is what the, the, the story's headline is. I want to know how. I want to know how the NCAA thinks it can, it can win this case because I just don't, I don't see any way. By the way, the NCAA is really good at two things. They're really good at backpedaling and losing lawsuits. And they've lost a bunch of them this year. States are not just willingly able, willing to give everything to the NCAA and let them handle it anymore. They're just not going to. They don't trust that they have the best interest of the students in mind. They don't trust that they have the best interest of state institutions, which, by the way, are very important to these legislatures. And past that, I don't think states are willing to get involved in this kind of thing frivolously, you know, unless you're Florida with Florida State and the college football playoff. But as far as this type situation goes, I don't think states are getting involved in it frivolously. I don't think they're getting involved even without feeling like they have an actual substantial and substantiated case. I, I really, this is truly, I don't think that this is the end of the NCAA and please, please understand that <clears throat> I am not for the blowing of the NCAA. Captain Chaos is not for the blowing up of the NCAA? No. Because hmm. I, for our alma maters, it's the worst thing that can happen. Hmm. That is true. And, and I don't feel like if there is a break among 
institutions at any point that it's going to be any lower than the 50 mark. Mm -hmm. And so for that reason, it, it really, I would like for the NCAA to get their crap together. Unfortunately, I don't think that, I mean, historically speaking, the evidence that we have. There's not a whole lot of reason to expect that to be the case. So it's almost like it's, it's necessary. Mm -hmm. And it may be there are going to be some unintended consequences. There are going to be oh, some innocent bystanders. There will be plenty of unintended consequences. But it's like I was having lunch with a friend, and we were talking about this, and he said, RIP NCAA. I said, and if and if they don't RIP, that's fine too. <laughs> I mean, I'm not real sure that I care if they rest in peace or not. At this point, rest, just rest. Peace, I don't care. Just rest. And yeah. and here's the thing. If they bury the NCAA, it should be under a statue of Don D. Plowman at this point. <laughs> Just she, put her on top of the grave. Factually untrue. Procedurally flawed. Intellectually dishonest. Will be on the tombstone. I, it absolutely should be. Those are, I mean, and, and I'm sorry, but you did this to yourself. It's like the meme with with the. You should have ate your food. No, no, the, the guy with the gun and he kills like the you know why would the NCAA do this? <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Like. Yeah, but I mean, here's the thing. You know, say what you will about Don Plowman in her previous situations. She's got this right. I mean, she absolutely does. She's. So it's clearly going to be interesting to watch this and see where it goes. And I could almost see the NCAA, you know, as you said, backpedal off of this. And at that point, it's like they're, they're, they're toothless. The reason the story I'm asking for isn't being written is because there's no story, Mo. You cannot ask them how they're going to do this because they don't know. Their hope is that member institutions simply fall in line. Mm -hmm. That's clearly not happening here. It didn't happen in the, in, in the transfer case where now all transfers are eligible immediately, no matter what, no matter when. And it's not going to happen here. And once again, this is a which we we have a little more information today than we did when we went off the air yesterday. This allegedly transpired when a private plane owned by again the nonprofit collective that is associated with the University of Tennessee used a private aircraft to take Nico Iamalieva from California, where it was legal to do that, and they signed a contract under California law to bring him to Knoxville for a visit. Now, what Spire did 
Spire is an agency. They are a, a, an agency involved in getting a percentage of your uh, of deals they negotiate for you hmm. as a spokesperson. They gave him eight million dollars as an advance on what they expect him to make as a professional athlete. So this. So then this isn't necessary, and, and it's not NIL then, is it? It is. Oh. Give, they gave him $8 million based on what they expect his... his Professional earnings. Well, his professional ability. What they expect his earnings to be, professional or otherwise. Not, not his, but his endorsements. Okay. It's right. an advance on endorsements in the future because they expected that he would be a great quarterback, get drafted, and be a very valuable product to their agency past Tennessee. So it didn't matter if he went to Tennessee or if he or went to Oregon. They, they, so this was an agreement between Spire Sports and Nico Iamaleva. Not, nothing with Tennessee. Where, so this would have been in place wherever he went. No matter where he went. The contract even says it is not... It does not matter what school you go to. This is what we're going to give you because we feel like no matter where you go, you're going to end up in the NFL and you're going to make endorsement money and we're going to get a piece of that endorsement money because we are your agent. Okay. So please tell me how this involves the University of Tennessee at all in any way. Other than Spire is the... Well, other than Nico is an athlete, a student athlete at the University of Tennessee. Now, as that is all laid out, where does the can't have an agent you can't come into you, okay? Because there it's not a it's not a pro sports agent, it's an endorsement agent. There's a difference, I guess. Right. <laughs> but I mean you can't not have one. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't expect 18-year-old kids to make these types of decisions on, on their own. Yeah. So there you go. I, I just I, – there's – this investigation is going to dissipate so fast. So fast. <laughs> anyway, it almost has to. It, 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 it's going to. Yeah. Let's take a quick break. Terry McCormick standing by. He's got a story up on Titan Insider. We'll talk about that because do the Titans even need to upgrade at tight end? Probably not. Why? We'll let Terry tell you right after this. Since 1975, Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint Clinic has treated the orthopedic needs of Middle Tennessee residents. The trained physicians provide surgical options and minimally invasive options to treat all orthopedic needs. The walk-in clinic, OrthoQuick, helps you bypass the ER 
while treating sports injuries and acute needs Monday through Saturday. Visit MTBJ online at mtbj.net or on social media at Mid-Tennessee Bone Joint Clinic. We're back now with Terry McCormick. Terry, what's up? How you doing, guys? It is your Daily Titans Report brought to you, as always, by Zen Sports. And uh, you teased to it uh, during the last segment at the end there. Uh, there is a story on TitanInsider.com uh, right now. It was written yesterday afternoon. And it's about the tight end situation. I know a lot of people thought that, you know, Chico Conquo had a little bit of a disappointing year, uh, especially kind of plagued by drops uh, throughout portions of the season. But if you look at Brian Callahan's history as the Bengals' offensive coordinator, doesn't seem like the tight end is a focal point of that offense, that they don't run a lot of two tight end sets. Uh, they run more three wide as their base. The Titans, as you guys know, for most of their existence, have either been a two-back or two-tight end uh, team. They've been in the two-tight end world at least since Mike Brabel was the head coach, probably going back to Mike Malarkey. But every year that the Bengals – had under Brian Callahan, who was under Zach Taylor, a different tight end led the group in receptions, and that guy was usually no more than the third or fourth leading receiver on the team, meaning that the third receiver, which in this case most years was Tyler Boyd, far outperformed the tight end. So Chigakonkwo last year wound up with 54 catches for a little over 500 yards, and even though that was kind of disappointing into what a lot of people expected out of him, it's more than any Bengals tight end has had in the last five years. That's interesting. That is interesting. Um, I guess that hinges though on finding three productive receivers, which is clearly out of the norm for this franchise. Yeah. Well, you've got one in DeAndre Hopkins. And you're, Hoping to find two. There was an interesting little tidbit that showed up on the uh, Bengals website today. The guy is their director of player personnel. I don't. I guess they don't have a general manager or, or whatever. But the director of player personnel was the guy making this comment. He said they would like to have T. Higgins back, but they don't know if there's enough shares of the pie to bring everybody back because they know at some point they're going to have to pay Jamar Chase. So that a lot of people have speculated that Higgins would be franchised, but uh, if the Bengals decide against that or against extending him and let him out into the open market, I think a lot of people here who have been clamoring for Higgins to come home to Tennessee is from Oak Ridge. Uh, ever since Brian Callahan was named the head coach, might just get their wish. Former Tennessee Titans, Mr. Football T. Higgins, by the way. That's right. So who somehow got away from the Vols. Was this during the Butch Jones or Jeremy? Yeah, every, everybody was getting away from the Vols during that stretch. That's that's <laughs> that's a take a ticket, take a seat kind of thing. But yeah. Um what else we got for well, T Mac? So Terry, folks are asking. <laughs> is there pause for concern on the staff not taking shape as quickly as, as, as no more quickly than it has. Than it has. Yeah. 
Maybe a little bit, but I think, uh, you know, as long as they've got everybody in place by the time the combine starts uh, about a month from now, I think they'll be good. It is a little, uh, I guess, alarming in some aspects that they don't have an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator in place, although I would argue that the offensive coordinator's position is not as important to fill right away because Brian Callahan is going to call the plays himself and put in the system that he is bringing from the Bengals. Defense, I mean, there's obviously the possibility that Shane Bowen would remain on board for uh, this coming season. Uh, that was reported. It hasn't been ruled out. Uh, I still think they probably will, uh, you know, look outside to see if there's somebody maybe that Callahan already knows or fits with uh, as a possibility. Uh, the thought of uh, Denard Wilson coming on board, though, may have taken a bit of a hit, and here's why. Uh, he's the, currently the Ravens' defensive backs coach, but if you uh, follow the news over the last couple mm -hmm. of hours, Ravens' defensive coordinator Mike McDonald uh, took the Seattle Seahawks' head coaching job. So the Ravens are now looking for a defensive coordinator themselves and may not be so eager to let a guy like Wilson, who if he's on other teams' radars and you're suddenly needing a D.C., um, might be on their radar as well to stick to keep him around. Well, not only might Denard Wilson be on the Ravens' radar, he might be on Seattle's radar. He might. <laughs> you know, Certainly kinda, a, a man that's in demand. Yeah, kind of keeping the band together there. I mean, if McDonald is the D.C. Right. going, maybe he takes his D.B.'s coach with him as dc out there so there's um okay but hear me out brian callahan's calling call plays right yes mm -hmm. so an offensive coordinator is eh? not entirely necessary kind of like an upgraded tight end right well or <laughs> an upgraded offensive line coach and if you have to give him a, an, if if you have to give him a promotion to get to him, get him, offensive coordinator Bill Callahan, ding ding ding. Wow, look at you thinking thinking forward there. You got the big chance. the big brain over here, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's certainly not out of the realm of possibility if uh, Brian Callahan is insistent upon having his father work with him because. When you uh, think about it, that would be one way to get around it. Now, if you give him the title of offensive coordinator, he would have the responsibilities that Brian Callahan being the, would be the right-hand man to the head coach, like Brian Callahan was to Zach Taylor. So it's not just a nothing position and not just a title. It's going to have to be somebody coming in here, working up game plans, working with the quarterbacks, working with the offense. Or you just Callahan. hire a quarterback's so, coach to be that guy. And you just let Could Bill be. coach the offensive line, and you know it just kind of is. And, what and it is. sit in those offensive meetings as OC, sure. and yeah, and it, I, it. I think it's I think it is a legitimate possibility. The farther we get along into this, and he's not already on the Titans staff, uh, because the Browns are clearly giving us out. a problem. Now I think it's clearly a train of thought worth entertaining. Yeah. Oh but, no doubt, no doubt. Because mean. go ahead, go ahead, Terry. You know, you think you think about this offensive line and how bad it's been over the last two years, and you know, granted, 
a coaching change won't fix everything on it. You've got to upgrade the personnel at certain spots, but it certainly would give them a guy who has experience excelling in being an offensive line coach and being a guy who can, uh, you know, get the most out of what he's got to work with. So certainly wouldn't be opposed to it. Meanwhile, Terry, if there was anybody that you thought would be held over from last year's coaching staff, would it have been Shane Bowen? Uh, I mean, if you, if you had ranked the guys that were most likely to least likely to stay, where would Shane Bowen have been? Probably third or fourth. I think, uh, I would have probably had defensive line coach Terrell Williams, who is uh, coaching at the Senior Bowl, would have been pretty high on my list. And then quarterbacks coach Charles London, who is already out the door, mm-hmm. uh, would have also been on my list, along with Ryan Crow. But Shane Bowen has certainly done a decent job. And I think given better personnel to work with, I think he can, you know, get the job done. His red zone defense was pretty good, one of the best in the league. Uh, last year, uh, and that was doing it with, uh, you know, spit and bailing wires, they say, uh, with uh, trying to patch a secondary together. And, uh, you know, got, you got a lot of guys who are on expiring contracts and don't know who's going to stay and who's not and, you know, who fits and who doesn't. But I think, you know, going back to what you were talking about, Chris, about filling out the staff, I think you have to answer the defensive question first, because you want to get a coordinator in here, but you also start got to start uh, thinking about what players you want, because you're going to need two corners. You're going to need a couple of defensive linemen. You're going to need at least one, probably two inside linebackers. So there are a lot of pieces to fill. I almost wonder because one of the, one of the guys who is no longer on staff as of yesterday is passing game coordinator Pat O'Hare. I wonder if the Nashville Cats hired a coach too soon. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. They could could have had Pat. Mm, he, he is available. <laughs> he wasn't he then. Now he is now. So we kind of we might have might have made a hire too soon. He also know. had ex- he also has experience uh, working with uh, actors in terms of uh, teaching true. them. Uh, you know, about how to act in football movies. He was a consultant in The Waterboy and The Longest Yard. Very well-rounded. Well-rounded Pat O'Hare. There you go. Terry, we appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you tomorrow. For now, tell us about Zen Sports. The new sports betting app exclusively in Tennessee the last few months, and I'm excited to share with you some big news. Now, when you sign up for a Zen Sports account, you will receive up to a $1,000 no-danger first wager. That's right. When you place your first bet in Zen Sports with up to plus 500 odds, you can be reimbursed for the amount of your bet up to a $1,000 maximum within 24 hours if the bet loses. And there's more good news. Zen Sports is rolling out its brand new VIP rewards program. This new VIP rewards program will allow top tier customers to earn more bonuses, comps, and perks. The VIP program is by invite only, so if you feel your Zen Sports Play qualifies for VIP consideration, please check out the program details and apply at zensports.com slash VIP. No other sportsbook will offer you a premier sports betting experience with 24-7 top-tier customer support and faster withdrawals than Zen Sports. So what are you waiting for? Get going and download their app at zensports.com today. 
Zen Sports, betting just got better. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-889-9789. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 and older and in Tennessee to bet. Smiles. These are the healthy smiles of real Delta Dental members. Folks with access to the nation's largest network of dentists and low deductible plans with 100% preventive care coverage, all backed by over 65 years of expertise. Go online or give us a call to learn about affordable individual plans that meet your needs. 1-855-844-0445. This holiday season, the largest lantern festival in the country returns to Nashville Zoo. Witness more than 1,000 handcrafted Chinese lanterns featuring brand new designs, including towering mythical beasts, a life-sized Santa's workshop, and a 100-foot-long dragon. Welcome back to Zoo Illumination at Nashville Zoo. Bigger, brighter, and better than ever. Oh, fuck. Welcome back. Main Street Sports today presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We continue with NFL discussions for a brief moment before we get to our friend Joe Sullivan, who will join us and talk college basketball in just a moment. But right now, again, we mentioned it. Mike McDonald is headed to Seattle, which means another Mike is not. That would be Vrabel. <laughs> And now we're down to just the commanders who need a head football coach. And the number one name on the list, Dan Quinn. He might be the only one who wants the job. That would be so Washington. <laughs> someone said the more they, things change. Someone said they put all their, bas their eggs in the, the Ben Johnson basket. And Ben Johnson said no. Probably smart, but probably smart. Um, yeah. I mean, you're getting a head coach with experience if you do decide to go with Dan Quinn. But I mean, you know, I guess he goes in a Super Bowl. Well, yeah, he's. He's done that. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I don't know. That would be so commanders. Now, mm -hmm. Seattle getting Mike McDonald's a pretty good hire. I think he ousted Brian Callahan as the youngest head coach, though. He's 36. And this picture of him on CBS Sports, he looks like a high school freshman. Yeah, he's he, he is definitely uh, and he young. He, yeah, he does not look thirty six. But um, hmm, <laughs> broke into the NFL with the Ravens in fourteen. Spent the last two years as DC there. The only year since fourteen that he wasn't in Baltimore was in 2021 when he served as Michigan's defensive coordinator. That happened to be the year Michigan snapped its 10-year losing streak over the, the, yeah. I, 
so so he'll always have a he'll he'll always drink for free in Ann Arbor, I reckon. Uh, probably, uh, and 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 you know, for good reason. I think it's interesting that you know that Seattle was able to get Mike McDonald to be their head coach at this point in the hiring process. I was I was really starting to think that. Seattle and Washington were going to have issues getting a coach at all, but able to to lure you know the number one seeds defensive coordinator to your to your team as a head coach is a, is a good get. Like you said, who knows how many folks from that defensive staff will come with him uh, who don't get a upgrade at you know in Baltimore. Uh, Washington finds itself in a really precarious situation. I mean, obviously Mike Vrabel's out there, but Mike Vrabel's not going to coach the Washington Commanders. I'm sorry, he's not. So now what we do know is that Mike Vrabel's going to get paid by the Titans this year. And I don't know what that means to the organization. I don't know if that's a, a concern or not. I can't imagine it was a concern. I mean... Unless she just assumed he was going to get another job, like we all did. I, I'm not sure Mike Vrabel wanted another job. Because you know me. I'm a conspiracy theorist, just chaotic in nature. <laughs> I got a feeling I know where you're going, but go ahead and go. Okay. Who's the first coach to get fired in 2024? One, two, three. Gerard Mayo. So you're staying pros. Mm -hmm. I was thinking Ryan Day. Ryan Day may be out, but I, again, don't think he Mike wants to go to college. college. He, he, certainly, he certainly said that in no uncertain terms in an article by the Athletics' Joe Rexrow. But he had a job at that time, too. Okay, let's think about this. At the time, the, the, the Patriots signed a contract with Gerard Mayo stating that he will be the head coach at if and when Bill Belichick is no longer the head coach of the New England Patriots. At no point at that particular moment did they think Mike Vrabel was, ever, was not going to be the coach, the coach of the Tennessee Titans. <laughs> Understandably so. Oops. Mike Vrabel is no longer the coach of the Tennessee Titans, and we've and got we this, have, we've got this pesky contract here. Oh man, that's going to be an awful look. Robert Catcraft doesn't care about optics. Robert Kraft is the last person who he and Jerry Jones are at the bottom of the give a crap about okay. optics list or, or anything else. Mm. I'm just telling you, do not be surprised if in 2025, Mike Vrabel is not the head coach of the New England Patriots. Okay. So what would have to happen? I mean, don't the Patriots have to be beyond awful? For you to be able to, or or, based or on is our, it that Robert Kraft just doesn't care? That's a lot of it. But based on their roster right now, do we think the Patriots are going to be any better than awful? 
They are the number five overall pick in the draft for a reason. And that was with Bill Belichick. Man. Mm. I mean, what you're saying doesn't not make sense. <laughs> I, and, I, and I have to use the double negatives there to get that point across. It, but man... Do not be surprised that if in 2020, I mean, is that Machiavellian or what? It's the worst. It is. It's the absolute worst. And yet it is 100% a plausible possibility. 100%. Yeah. A matter of fact, what how, 125, the, the 124 mark uh, hold, of this hold, show. Hold, hold, up just, hold up just a second because we've got a guest that I think wants to get involved in this conversation. Oh, that makes sense. It does make sense, yeah. Joe Sullivan joined us now not to talk about college sports. He joined us to talk about- Did you see me guys waving at you? (laughs) Saw you jumping up and down. Let me into this conversation. Come on. So, uh, uh, Chris, I I know you mean well when you say Robert Kraft doesn't care about optics, but I'll tell you that optics are very high on his list. Really? I really have to disagree with you. That well, this you is would a guy. Know. I will, I will, I will we'll defer to you. Absolutely defer to you on that. This is a guy. Uh, I can I can go all the way back when he uh, was first owning the team, and he was threatening to move to Hartford. And the day they announced it, that they had reached an agreement for Hart to move to Hartford with the Connecticut legislature, Dan Shaughnessy, the columnist of the Boston Globe, said the Patriots will never move to Hartford on the same day. Why? Because Robert Kraft needs to be a big guy in Boston. He could never be uh, someone who's big in Hartford. He wanted to be bigger than that. And he also is someone who tries to have it both ways. Like during the flake gate, we're going to, we're going to fight the league all the way to the end. And yet then they accept the penalties. Uh, it's, he, he's, he tries to please too many people at the same time. You know, he's telling the fans one thing and he's accepting other things from the NFL. Uh, he is uh, very much about how he is perceived. Uh, and uh, Mayo is someone he has anointed. I, there is no way uh, that he would uh, cut ties with him that quickly. Yes, he because loves Brady. You're right does, about that. If he does, Joe, then he's got to admit that he was wrong about him for one thing, right? right yes. And uh, I... Also, Chris, I mean, is there an insinuation there? You don't think Mayo is capable and uh, it may surprise some people. I mean, they need to get a better roster, but Mayo is capable. He was uh, uh, impressive in a in a uh, sort of uh, football IQ way when he was a player. And uh, uh, we can't. I, I think he's le- has a legit chance to be good. That's all I think, I'll say. I, th- I think the point that Chris was getting at is all things being equal, Robert Kraft would rather have Mike Vrabel than Gerard Mayo as his head Possibly. Coach. I can't, I'm not going to disagree with that. They love Vrabel. And they did talk about getting Vrabel, according to Ben Volan of the Boston Globe, that that was on their radar to try to get him from the Titans. That's, Joe, we've, that, never discussed, that's we've never discussed this with you. Mm-hmm. How 
was it in Gerard Mayo's contract that he was the coach in waiting and the entire Patriots press corps did not know? Well, uh, uh, all right, Mo, I'll tell you this. So when I was sports editor of the Globe and I would hire a new Patriots writer, unfortunately too often uh, I had to hire a new Patriots writer, one of the goals I would give them would be, can you get the facts about Bill Belichick's contract? Because it was never revealed publicly. And some really good people never were able to do that. So they keep it private. Uh, You know, I think it's disgraceful that they do, that the fans need to know what they're committed to. The people paying these high ticket prices uh, should know what their coach's contract is, that Robert Kraft let Bill Belichick do that uh, was wrong. And uh, so I don't, the answer is no one has found these things out from the Patriots uh, when they really should uh, uh, announce it. Like uh, it was a, it was a, uh, a change in policy for them when they renewed Mayo's contract as an assistant coach, assistant head coach, I believe was the title uh, that they, they uh, talked about the length of the contract for that. That was new. And then they really sort of didn't designate him as a, as the next head coach, but they certainly insinuated that that could be a strong possibility that he would succeed Bill Belichick. Uh, so all these things can be true. They can love Vrabel and love Mayo at the same time. You know, and it doesn't, it, it's not mutually exclusive. That's yeah. and, and, and again, Jerron Mayo has plenty of history in new England as does Mike Vrabel. It's, it's kind of six of one half a dozen of the other, except that one of them has experience and has made an AFC championship game as a head coach. And the other's a rookie, which, you know, it, it is what it is. But that that is that is great insight because I, I really, you know, a cons- the conspiracy theory theorist in me certainly thought well, they got rid of Bill Belichick so they could go ahead and get Mayo in and then get rid of Mayo because Vrabel is now available when they didn't expect him to be available. And, you know, I think that would be a, a terrible, terrible idea and terrible move. I just. One thing, Robert Kraft is many things, uh, a contradiction, you know, uh, the proverbial riddle wrapped in an enigma at times. Uh <laughs> But I, I don't consider him dishonorable in this way. I mean, okay. he could be in other ways. Uh, well, but I think once he makes the commitment to someone like this, that he's going to stick with it as long as he can. I, I believe that uh, he, he might have other ways where he's not as honorable. And, you know, uh, that might have something to do with massages he gets. But uh, I was going to say, I like how you use the word May there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> May is doing a lot of work in that sentence. <laughs> so one of the funniest things when I was still living in Boston area, I was in line at a, at a ice cream stand and it had this, this is very popular. and had a lot of lines and I, and I look over and there was a guy wearing a t-shirt that says orchids of Asia. And wow. that's the massage parlor that yeah. Kraft was in when they raided it. Yeah, it was, it was hilarious. I went through, that, I should have gotten a selfie phenomenal. with the guy. That is <laughs> okay. Do do we want yeah, break? Let's, let's take a break, Joe, and we'll 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 reset, come back, talk some hoops uh, with you on the other side of it. So y'all stick around on May Street Sports today. <laughs> Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint treats your orthopedic injuries and existing conditions. Our trained physicians will get you back in the game faster. 
Contact us at 931-381-2663 or www.mtbj.net. With Lee Company Technology, the best handymen are hands-off. Lee Company Techs have been using visual findings and other smart technology tools for years to add transparency and virtually take customers along. You see what we see, whether we're in a crawl space or on a roof. With Lee Company, technology helps us help you no matter what's happening in the world or at your house. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods here in Columbia has been outfitting teams, officials, and anybody else from T-ball to college for 50 plus years. Be sure and check them out at 931-388-8060 or online at jonesandlang.com. Jones and Lang Sporting Goods, the look of a winner. Zion Christian Academy, zioneagles.org or 931-388-5731. You can schedule your appointment. Go toward their campus. It is beautiful over there and you're definitely going to want to see it. Again, it's zioneagles.org. Give them a call, 931-388-5731 and schedule your tour today. Custom Stone Handler supplies over 600 distributors and suppliers with quality stone products. Along with River Stone, we produce and distribute over 100 building, landscape, and other bulk products. Our goal is to provide quality products, service, and partnerships to ensure our customers' success. We firmly believe that the measure of any person or company is how they treat other people and customers. Give them a call at 931-490-4990 or visit customstonehandlers.com. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint has been the official sports medicine provider for Murray County Schools for more than 40 years. We specialize in orthopedic service and our ortho quick walk-in clinic lets you bypass the ER. Visit us online at www.mtbj.net. Welcome back. It's Main Street Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. We are joined again by Joe Sullivan of this time of NashvilleHoops.blog, last time <laughs> former sports editor of the Boston Globe. Joe, I saw your, your, your text over there. It said, let me in. I'm like, dude, we'll get to you in a second. Hang on. And then I realized... What it was that you wanted. So, yeah. That's, yeah, well, I, I had to was, jump in on that Patriot stuff. Boy, I lived it uh, for uh, 25 years. And uh, dealing with them, uh, you know, I, I consider myself an expert. And <laughs> uh, well, you certainly I, I know are. those guys. That's all I'm Yeah, well, we, we were certainly certainly glad to let you in yeah. once we realized. <laughs> it just took us a second. But uh, <laughs> big game tonight. I'm fired up, Mo. Uh, Indiana State at Belmont tonight at 6.30 at the Curb Center. I'm told there's still tickets available. And not surprising. I mean, Belmont draws decently, but they don't sell out for sure. But I, I, can I talk about Indiana State, Mo? Please talk about the Sycamores, yes. So they're, they're really uh, fascinating statistically. And these aren't like advanced analytics. This is pretty straightforward 
numbers. So they are the leading team in the country, number one in three-point uh, percentage. Uh, and they are number three in overall field goal percentage. And therefore, it makes sense that they are number one in effective field goal pre percentage because that combines the two. And so I, I, I'd like to think the last... I'd like to wonder the last time a team came into the Curve Center with that type of statistical uh, showing. Uh, so this is a team that's really worth seeing. Uh, the, uh, I'm excited about seeing them because and they play a very exciting way. Their coach, I think, calls it uh, – uh, got to get this right. It is uh, organized randomness is the term he uses for their offense. They're not running set plays. They have uh, places they need to be, but it, he leaves it in the hands of the players to uh, read what the situation is and then go from there. Uh, you know, they, all, they also score a lot of points. I mean, they're averaging 86 points a game. So they're going to go up and down. Belmont used to like to do that, but uh, without, you know, their, their point guard, Jacoby Gillespie, is injured. They, they've... They, their, their points per game has dropped precipitously. Uh, so that's the question for Belmont. Can they keep up or can they slow them down enough? Not something we usually ask Belmont teams to do. Uh, but look, we know the guy on the bench, Casey Alexander, is uh, incredibly capable, great coach. So he might have a plan. And that's going to be what's going to make tonight interesting. Joe, which do you think is more likely for Belmont to keep up or slow Indiana State down? They're going to have to slow them down. I just don't think they can keep up with their present roster. If they had the Jacoby, I think they, they, they could, uh, but they just don't have enough people. Indiana State's not that deep either, though. They only go like six, seven deep. Uh, but I, I think controlling the pace Getting so that that comes down to transitional defense. You got to get back, slow them down, make them run a half court game. That's going to be the most important thing. And uh, uh, you know, make some shots helps also because then you can set your defense up. And uh, but Belmont's still been a good shooting team, so they'll do that. They just haven't got as many shots off as, as they've had in the past. Belmont did not have Jacoby Gillespie when they went to Terre Haute on on January thirteenth in an eventual 94-64 loss to Indiana State. Um, and I don't know that home court is worth 30 points, but at the same time, you don't expect Belmont to lose like that. No, I, I, if, if that would really say something about Indiana State if that happened. it's. Uh, I was thinking you were going to ask me, what do you do after a loss like that? I guess if it's on Saturday, you go to church on Sunday and pray, right? That, uh, for some, that's about the only thing you can do. Uh, you know, uh, Casey called it the lowest point of the season uh, and that they uh, abandoned Belmont basketball at both ends of the court that day. So I'm sure he has gone over this with his team and uh, they know what the challenge is. And you would think it with home, like a decent student section, which Belmont always has, uh, that we would expect a better effort. I expect a decent game. I'm not sure Belmont can win this because I'm, I'm very high on, on Indiana State. I think... We're, we're, look, we're about a month away from this, but, uh, a little bit more than a month, excuse me. But mm -hmm. if, you know, Indiana State hopefully will be in that 68-team bracket, uh, which they deserve to be, and they're going to be a dangerous team depending on the draw. I really think this is a team that could advance a couple of rounds given the right draw and the right seed.
you know, it, uh, you could get put in the wrong place and then nothing's going to help. But if you get in the right place, like something like Florida Atlantic did last year, mm-hmm. Purdue got upset in the first round and suddenly they're in the final four. Florida uh, Atlantic, who should have lost in the opening round of Memphis, by the way. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, it's better be lucky than good, but when you're both, you really got a shot. But, um, <laughs> Joe, well if, said. if, if, um, if Casey thought that 94-64 loss at Indiana State was low point, and then they came out and lost three more at home to Northern Iowa, at Bradley, and at Illinois State before finally breaking that skit this past weekend against UIC, I mean, how is he feeling right now? I, you know, he's, he, here's what he says. He still likes his team. He, he's uh, praised them for their uh, hard work and keeping good attitudes. He just doesn't have enough players right now, with, uh, mm-hmm. especially with Gillespie uh, uh, being out. And his, his return uncertain from what they're saying is a rinse history. It seems like it was in a cast. So at, at some point, and it became, went from a hard cast to a soft cast from uh, my weak eyesight from across the court. Uh, but i tell you how valuable he is defensively, and i got to find the information here. I, I wish I had it more at hand, but I can look it up pretty quickly. So Jacoby Ellsbury has missed like the, you know, I don't know how many uh, Valley games he played, maybe four at the most. It was only mm. this week that he got passed in the Steels League. He was still leading the league in Steels <laughs> at this point, you know, until last weekend. Uh, that comes from Greg Sage, the great PR guy over at Belmont. I didn't dig that out myself. And that shows how valuable he is. If he can disrupt things like that, and mm-hmm. you, it's uh, and you don't have anyone on, on your roster who can do the same thing. Nor would you expect someone to play at that. I mean, you play at that high level. That that would be a little unfair to think you could just replace uh, so, someone like that and have the same performance. Joe Sullivan of NashvilleHoops.blog joining us here on Main Street Sports today, presented by Mid Tennessee Bone and Joint. Joe, we had all spoken various degrees of disparagingly <laughs> regarding Middle Tennessee State before you, before you <laughs> and Chris were in the house for their win against Jack State last week. Um, I, I assume their demise greatly, greatly exaggerated. Well, Perhaps. we'll see. But they, you know, backed that up with a win over FIU over the weekend. Um how are we feeling about the Blue Raiders right now? Well, I tell you what, they uh, they scored 46 points in the second half of Saturday night's win over FIU. Well, holy mackerel, that'd be like a, a game's worth of points for them. Uh, Nick said last week after the game that Chris and I were at that he feels they were turning a corner, which is like, uh, you got to say, oh my God, it's taken them this long. That, that shows what a struggle it's been. But it's also... It, at least for two games, it seemed true. Uh, back on the road this this week, they don't play Thursday. They're at Western Kentucky on Saturday, and I don't, I can't really have high hopes there. They're zero and five on the road, so it's uh, it would be, I think they're deserved underdogs up in uh, Bowling Green on Saturday, and uh, it would be surprising. It would be an upset if they won up there. Would be an upset, but certainly I, 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 don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, there is enough history 
I mean, anytime you're talking about a rivalry, Joe, that they call 100 miles of hate. Throw it out. Uh, they, as a Middle Tennessee State graduate, it is never an upset when MTSU beats Western Kentucky. My apologies. Thank you. Well, I mean, it is kind of, it is kind of like the Tennessee-Florida football game. You just throw – you have to take it in a vacuum because it, it's completely different. Even in a world that we live in now where players move around a lot, it does. it's not nearly as – prevalent at the mid-major level, especially Conference USA, which is now teetering on low major, so it's kind of on that line. That doesn't happen a whole lot, so you still have that that deep-seated rivalry, hatred, uh, you know, for teams like Western Kentucky, and I think that's, you know, you can just kind of throw it out because it doesn't matter what what these two teams' records look like. It's going to be a dogfight. And, yeah. and now the flip side of that, in all fairness, is Western has that same hatred for us. Right. So, <laughs> but you can and and, and and they are arguably better. So I mean, I objectively, mean, yes. Yeah. So you know, it's going to be but a share it for good. I like that good uh, rivalry hatred. I'm in favor of that. So it's good. Absolutely. That, good that it still exists. We in this era of realignment, we're losing so much of that. Unfortunately. That's true. Right. Right. I gotta tell you, I'll tell you a story about that. So there was a sports editors meeting in uh, Salt Lake City one year, and it was when uh, Utah announced it was uh, going to the Pac-12. That's how long ago it was. And uh, the two football coaches were at a uh, luncheon, and we asked them questions. And I got up and I asked them, "Are you two going to pledge to still play each other for like forever, rather than ruin this great rivalry just because of realignment?" And uh, neither one was ready to pledge it, unfortunately. And but now they're gonna now they're back together in the Big Twelve, strangely. Strangely. Absolutely. Um, Joe, anything else on your radar this weekend locally? Absolutely. This week locally? So, yeah. So Tennessee State is at home Thursday night against uh Moorhead State, the league leader in the OVC. And it's uh similar to Belmont. This is this could be a season changing game. Uh, Tennessee State's actually in a little bit better position than Belmont right now within a Conference standings is what we're talking about, not mm -hmm. their teams compared to one another. But it is uh, uh, a win here. So uh, Tennessee State's five and three in the league, and, and Moorhead State's seven and one. So a win would bring them within a game of the lead. They, they've won uh, four in a row. Tennessee State, I guess, sort of quietly, two on the road, the last two on the road, uh, with a, uh, a strategy that I think Penny's been wanting to capitalize on this season and it's only sort of coming to fruition now that they're going inside with the ball, especially to uh, Jason Chitobo, their gigantic center. Uh, they're getting to the foul line and they've won two close road games. So uh, now they get more head state who's I think clearly the most talented team in this league. So, uh, and they, and they, they lost to them up in, in Moorhead at uh, by 10, a little while, a few weeks ago. Uh, the other thing for local fans, it's I think it's worth coming out to see uh, Riley Minnick, who we've talked about on the show, the uh, the grad transfer from southeastern Florida, an NAIA school who is now the the leader uh, to be player of the year in the OVC. He's had a tremendous year. Six, seven bull is what I call him. Big, strong guy who scores a lot inside. Winning two games on the road like that, 58-57 at Western, 64-60 at Eastern. Yeah. Got to do a lot 
for TSU's confidence, I would think. I would agree with you, yeah. And one of the, you know, Marcus Fitzgerald, their their veteran point guard has been hurt. And sometimes things happen by accident. Excuse me. <coughs> one of my famous cough bits on your show. Uh uh, Justin Williams, who was the uh, you know re- the reserve guard, has come into the starting lineup, and it's almost like he's steadied things. He's a very good defensive player. He's, he'll score a hoop when they need it. Plays differently, Fitzgerald, but uh, he's made a big difference, and it, it's very unexpected. But uh, Penny was very uh, is very pleased with him, and, and, and had a lot of praise for him how he's uh, uh, helped them defensively, especially and and scoring when the opportunity is there. Is how Penny phrased it to me. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. Uh, as you know, obviously, you go two more heads, you only lose by 10. You feel like you got a good shot at Gentry Center tomorrow. And then, of course, they've got Southern Indiana on Saturday afternoon. Screaming Eagles. That's right. That's got to right. be a win. That's got to be a win. It, it's got to well, be. Of course, we said that when they went up there, right? I mean, yeah. So, and, interesting Indiana State's leading scorer, Isaiah Swope, played at Southern Indiana last year. So uh, it's now he might be he might be player of the year in the uh, in the uh, in the valley. Uh, he's been playing so well. Which, so, so, so what you're saying is don't mention his name to the Southern Indiana coach this weekend. Right? Uh, yeah, I would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. It's uh, they could use him. So you're you're right, Mo. We did say that when they went up there. So uh, I think Tennessee State's like the margin forever is really small. So they, they got to play well and. Uh, they really should split these two games. I mean, they got to beat Southern Indiana at home, don't mm-hmm. they? They got to. Well, you would think, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we will see how it goes. We will, and in fact. We will see you next Wednesday. Joe Sullivan of NashvilleHoops.blog. Check it out to stay on top of local Division One basketball here in, in and around Nashville. Joe, thanks, thanks guys. Always- thanks. Take a quick break. When we come back, the weirdest and wildest news from across the world right after this on Main Street. Sports Day presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone and Joint. This is Chris Yao with Main Street Sports Today. Every show, Mo Patton and I welcome friends from all across the sports landscape, from high school coaches and reporters to national, college, and pro sports personalities. You never know who might stop by for a chat. She's on Thinking Out Loud, presented by Regions, and out of pocket with Alyssa Lang. It is, in fact, Alyssa, Alyssa Lang. I'm a little nervous. I'm going to lower the bar for guests now. Oh, no. I'm like, apologies in advance. It sounds like SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey. Got that radio voice. I know. It's a good sounding radio, too. (laughs) As do we. And then here's the other thing. You guys, you're spot on with the name. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. Everybody wants to be on Main Street. So And we reach every Main Street in Middle Tennessee, Coach. That's it. So when you are on Main Street and you are moving got to love it. Like you're moving. I was impressed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad someone. Welcome back in time now to take a look at the weirdest and wildest news from across the world. We're not going to Florida today. What? Yeah, just a little bit west. Alabama? Just a little bit farther west than that. Just a little bit. 
Corona. Well, you know, this never happens. Oh, Lord. <laughs> A New Orleans thief. <laughs> I know you're shocked to hear New Orleans thief. <laughs> yeah, after that lead in. <laughs> With their purple and gold and green colors mm. and toy babies hidden inside, king cakes are a staple of Mardi Gras. Well, they should have stapled them to the ground or wherever they had them because this thief stole, stole seven of them. Seven king cakes. It's as many as he could carry. Yeah, right. <laughs> he took cash and a case of vodka from a bittersweet <laughs> confections last Wednesday. Seven king cakes and a bottle of vodka. Okay. And instant party, right? I, I mean, that's that's as Mardi Gras as it gets. That is as Mardi Gras as it gets. It really is. The bakery wrote on social media, our king cakes are just that good. Please come and purchase one, though. <laughs> <laughs> they typically make those kind of by, by order, don't they? So somebody got... Messed over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a commenter on the on this said, I'm holding all seven babies hostage. <laughs> a lifetime supply of king cakes is delivered to me. So there you go. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Let's get into a sports one real quick. As um, the Baltimore Orioles situation is unfolding uh, the ownership situation in Baltimore is that the Baltimore Orioles have been sold. So Peter Angelos is no longer, or the Angelos family is no longer. Is that right? Right. So the new owner is the majority stakeholder in the Baltimore Orioles organization. What he also is, is a limited partner. He's the majority stakeholder. And a limited, and a limited partner. partner. He has... I mean, I, I pursued an accounting degree. I did not get it. But that's a little... It doesn't make much sense. That's why it's wild and wacky, Mo. Okay. This whole situation hinges on the the passing of Peter Angelos, who I thought was already dead. But I also thought Willie Mays was dead. Do you remember we had that conversation about yeah. a year ago? So, I, I mean... <laughs> I do remember that. I thought... Peter Angelos will be 95 on the 4th of July. And... This this deal means that he can go to owners' meetings, but he can't go to the meetings after the meetings. Who is that? Rubenstein. Rubenstein. Okay. So he can't be in any. He can't be involved in any meeting where there's only one owner involved because he is not the majority stake or the majority owner. He's a limited partner. He he can't make decisions on extending players' contracts. Nothing until Peter Angelos does. Have you ever seen a contract like, uh, put this way? This is insane. Why would you agree to this? Why would you agree? Well, well it's kind of like marrying him if you're, if 
35? I, I don't know. I mean, on one hand, maybe he's trying to show respect for Peter Angelos, but what was it? $1.725 billion? That with he's, a B. I mean, with a B. Yeah, I want all of the accoutrements that come with that. I want everything. Yeah. For $1.725 billion. So you're telling me I'm writing you this check, but I can't. But there are things I can't do? No. There are not just things you can't do. There is nothing you can do. Because you are. You have a vote. A voice. Not a vote. Not a, not a say. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> I told you it's weird. And it, yeah, it's weird. It's wild. It's wacky. It's all of the above. Yeah. Oh, no, that's ooh. So Peter Angelos is still in charge then. Well, I, the the hierarchy under Peter Angelos is in charge. I don't know what involvement Peter Angelos has with the Baltimore Orioles. My assumption is very little, if any. But he is still the guy. He's still the owner. Mm. That's wild. And wacky. Mm -hmm. We tell you it's wild and wacky, the weirdest and wildest news from across the world. We go to Tokyo. You know, I always thought it was weird when I started going to some of these. Moved to Nashville 2017. Nashville was becoming sort of the it city at the time, and a lot of uh, younger millennials, some older millennials like, like myself, but a lot of younger millennials, definitely some Gen Zers moving into the downtown districts and bringing their dogs to the cafe. I thought it was weird. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because it is. Mm -hmm. I'm not wrong. No, you're not. Then cat cafes. Remember that? Yeah. Well, now, mm -mm. yeah, move over Fido and Fluffy. Bring on Pinky the pig, because in Japan, you can now cuddle with pigs at their pig cafe. A pigs, a miniature breed, trotted into the room looking for a cozy lap to cuddle up. They're surprisingly quiet, although they do snort now and then. They don't like to be alone and make great companions. Also, they're very clean and don't smell. You can pay $15 for the first 30 minutes of company with your pig. There are now 10 pig cafes across the, across Japan. I got nothing. I, I got nothing. Well, nothing at all. We've got more sports for you tomorrow on Main Street Sports today. We've, of course, got Coach's Corner, and it's a really good one. It really is a good one. Former Auburn and Clemson coach, Cliff Ellis will be honored by Cumberland University during its ball game tomorrow night. We're going to have him on during the first hour of tomorrow's show. Retired from Coastal Carolina earlier this year. So join us for that, and we'll see you then. Um.